Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Stuff I Heard podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Peak, And um, <clears throat> we just had a major hurricane come through the area. Uh, I know that if you've paid attention to the news at all, you've seen the hurricane come through. It's pretty devastating. Um, I know that a lot of people were affected. I have been tracking the hurricane a lot because it, it affected us, weirdly enough, here in Florence, South Carolina. Even though it hit down in Florida... Uh, initially, it uh, was quite devastating to a lot of people in Florida. It actually affected us here in Florence, uh, weirdly enough. But let me give you the rundown here in case you don't know, uh, sort of a brief history. Um, Hurricane Ian apparently reached a Category 4 status and was very close to becoming a Category 5, which is terrifying. Uh was one of the largest and most intense um hurricanes to ever hit the United States. Uh, 150 mile an hour winds is what they're claiming on the Washington Post website that I'm checking out here. Um, yeah, pretty uh, pretty crazy. No, this says 150. Oh, it's comparing other, never mind, sorry. It's comparing other hurricanes. Hurricane Charlie was 150. Anyway, it's saying what they consider greater than 150 is considered part of the thing that's in their category of storms. Uh, yeah. The strongest to ever strike was Labor Day Hurricane of 1935. I guess that's before they ever named them. It was a Category 5-ish. Category 5s are what, what terrify me here in Florence. Now, we're an hour away from the beach, but a lot of people don't know that Florence is only about 100 feet above sea level. Um, it's a pretty, uh, pretty low-lying area. This was actually a swamp area before they started maneuvering dirt around and building up the town. But, uh, yeah, it's crazy. I had got on this website because of something that I read early on about where it hit. Okay, it says, when it made landfall, Category 4 hurricane, um, I guess they're they're saying that it hit on Cayo Costa Island, which I guess is right off the coast of Florida. Anyway, this thing made a devastating track through Florida, near the Tampa Bay, um, Naples, Florida area. There's tons and tons and tons of photos and videos of people walking around and showing the devastation of it, picking up boats and cars and flinging them in all directions at things. Um, from what I can tell, looking it up online, it looks like right now they're claiming um, that Hurricane Ian has, how many did it say? 50-something people have, have been um, verified as died during the hurricane. Um, which is terrible, but it could have been a lot worse. I mean, thank goodness the people who live in that area understand, for the most part, what kind of devastation a hurricane of this magnitude is. And a lot of people heeded the warnings to get out of there. Um, I know that there's probably people still missing that they haven't accounted for yet, but confirmed people who've died from this um i want to say it's in the 50s the last time i read this 
Yeah. It was awful. Um, the people in Florida are going to have a long time of cleanup. Um, there's a Wikipedia page. Hey, how about that? It hit Cuba as a category three. Um, on the 27th of September. And then it got into the Gulf and it intensified. And literally, I thought it was going to be a three when it hit Florida. I went to bed before it hit and I was like, yeah, this is a three. That's not a big deal. We've had threes come through the area and they may cause a tree to go down here or there. But on the most part, you know, even if you live in Myrtle Beach and a three hits you, you're like, eh, it's going to be windy. A little bit of storm surge, and that's about it. When it gets to a four, it starts picking up things and throwing them at you. Uh, <laughs> if it gets to a five, it basically picks up buildings and throws them at you. Uh, in this case, we've seen where it did pick up some trailers and throw them on top of uh, buildings. Uh, but, you know, that's kind of expected when you have a trailer. Um, which is why that third little pig built his house out of bricks. Uh, I like to think of myself as that third little pig. I like to... Uh, I like my brick house specifically for that reason. But uh but yeah. This was uh this was pretty rough. It caused major flooding. There was a huge storm surge. Um I know they were saying over two million people in Florida lost power. Um lots and lots and lots of financial devastation. I was watching it on TV and seeing all the aftermath of the boats sitting on top of things. And I was talking to my friend Josh West about it. And I said, you know, I'm sure there's somebody out there who's just crafty enough to go, hmm, I got a flatbed. Let me go down there and do some cleanup. Uh, <laughs> you know, if you shut up with a flatbed and you're like, hey, yeah, I'm here to clean this stuff up. They sent me over here. No one would probably question them. And you could walk away with a lot of stuff um, looting would be, you know, really high up there. Uh, I would think that boat motors are going to show up on people's Craigslist or whatever marketplace pretty cheap here soon because they're going to have to offload them. And uh could be a lot of people walking around with really nice motors at a good deal because they got them from somebody because they're hot. Um, you know, the insurance company writes the whole thing off as a total loss. And yeah, my, my boat got taken away and I don't know where it's at and it's gone and I got to make a claim and insurance companies are going to be freaking out. Rates are going to go up for everybody because they got to pay for this. Um, it got me thinking about how insurance companies make money because on the most part, things don't happen. And when things go up, um, I'm sure they have contingencies in place to safeguard their operations from losing everything. But they would, I would think would try to get out of paying claims as much as possible. Um, uh, because that's how you make money, right? You take money and you don't give as much back. That's kind of the, I would think, is the model of an insurance company. Otherwise, you don't stay in business because you're out of money. Um, you're hedging your bets, if you will. So, yeah. There could be an opportunity for a lot of people to end up with uh, vehicles that are labeled as salvage and someone with... Uh, the know-how could uh, get them running again and uh, could end up with a decent vehicle that uh, may have been in a flood or a hurricane. So, yeah. Anyway, 
It crossed over Florida. Like I was going back to my title here, or the subject. Crossed over Florida, went back into the Atlantic. It intensified back to a one, and it hit the coast just north of Charleston, between Charleston and Georgetown is a little area called Mecklenburg. And um, hit that area. Um, I used to deliver in that area. There's really nothing there. Uh, it's kind of oddly set aside where there's nothing. Um, it's that one spot in South Carolina that they haven't developed into oceanfront properties and resorts and this and that and the other. I mean, when you're in the Charleston area and you go north, you quickly run into um, all of the development for uh, Mount Pleasant, Isle of Palms, stuff like that. And then you go a little bit further north and it just becomes sort of wooded. Um, there's a long stretch of about, I don't know, 40-ish miles of, you know, north of Awandah towards Georgetown where there's really nothing. I mean, even Mecklenburg, when I went there, was nothing. Of course, it's been a while since I've been there, but then you get into Georgetown and then it's like, all right, well, Georgetown sort of morphs itself in towards Myrtle Beach at that point because you get Georgetown and, you know, Polly's Island and Surfside and Garden City and and then you're in Myrtle Beach, baby. Myrtle Vegas, as we call it. Um, but yeah, so the hurricane hit Mecklenburg area. The rain bands were dumping a ton of water onto Myrtle Beach. They were really afraid it was going to hit at high tide, which is going to cause anywhere from a four to seven foot storm surge, which is crazy to think about. That's a lot of water. That's the biggest, to me, the wind is part of it, but the, but the biggest damage is the water rising and the water surging. Um, cause basically water don't care. Water just, just picks things up and moves it. Uh, that's how we get the Grand Canyons, folks. So, yeah. Anyway, this thing went through the area. We started getting wind um, the next morning, and it uh, it lasted most of the day. Um, we lost power at one point. We had a what I can assume was a tree hit a power line or whatever, and we lost power for about an hour or maybe two. Then it came back on and was on for maybe two hours, and then we lost power again uh, before 5 o'clock. And we heard it because it was a transformer that blew behind our house. There's a neighborhood. We were in the, in the house here um, watching the rain and the wind, and we heard this loud explosion and looked outside. I was like, what was that? Uh, we knew right away what it was, but it, it's, that's that initial re response of, oh, my God, did you hear that? Um, and we lost power and we thought, okay, well, <clears throat> you know, Duke Energy's on top of things. They've been texting us actively saying that they're working on repairs and blah, blah, blah. And we're like, okay, so they're, they're going to work on it and they're busy cause they got a lot to do. Um, but you realize pretty quickly how much you depend on electricity when you don't have it. And, you know, I know a lot of people are on the fence about whether or not, um, Tesla and solar is the answer. Uh, because whenever they lose power, you lose the ability to drive your vehicle, right? But I watched a lot of YouTube videos and, and TikToks of people that had solar installed on their house, and the solar didn't get damaged. The solar actually held up to the hurricane. And this one guy in particular I watched, he had uh, the Tesla Powerwall in his garage, and... He was literally where the impact hit. He goes outside and you can see that 
there's boats in his neighbor's houses and stuff and his house is fine and he has power and he shows how the thing switched off the grid and went completely on the the solar that it was generating itself and he shows you the monitor of how it you know the sun came up and it started charging and his car was charged and his house was charged and he said i've got power so i've offered for my neighbors to come over and you know get cleaned up or have a meal or whatever and i was like man that's some cool technology <clears throat> and i know we're on the infancy of this and there's a lot of people like i'm gonna wait till it gets better well that's good but it doesn't get better until people commit so i'm not real happy about the fact that that there's a lot of folks that are trying to rain on the parade of people who are trying to make the move towards electric. Um, I do think long-term solar and electric is going to be the answer for our energy needs. Um, I just think it's, uh, it's one of those things where you, you either are on board or you're not. And the more people, the more that technology grows, the more people are on board. And the longer we do this, the more we need to be on board. Um, I think there's a there's a there is definitely a call for people to have both options um because you may not have the the ability to maneuver over but if you do I mean it's just to me it's a smarter option for the long term but anyway so yeah we lost power um we sat around the house kind of just entertaining ourselves a little bit uh, my wife read a lot um I had worked, I had worked or I was supposed to work the night before, uh, woke up and found out that work was canceled. So I was awake at midnight and when we lost power, uh, I had not slept. So when we lost power, I basically just laid down and took me about a two hour nap. Um, and then the rest of the day just hung out and watched the weather, watched us lose power. And when we lost power, there was that thought of, okay, I have a generator in the garage. Um, at what point do I need to start it? And I'd looked in the fridge a couple of times. We still had ice. We still had, you know, stuff in there cold. And we didn't open the fridge a lot. Um, I kept thinking, power's going to come on any minute now. Because while we've been in this house, I think the longest we've ever been without power is maybe five or six hours. And... We just happen to live in an area where whenever a storm comes through, um, we're in a prime spot where they set up. So whenever they start the repairs, they actually start near our neighborhoods uh, most times, which is very convenient. But this is one of those things that when that transformer blew, it was after the fact. So they'd already moved past us and they were helping out other folks and they had to come back here to fix it. So it actually didn't get repaired until the next morning. We, um, we went to bed that night. And I was exhausted because I'd only had two hours of sleep. But uh, <laughs> I woke up the next morning and I was like, oh, crap, everything is still off. Um, my first thought was, we got to save the food in, in the house. Because if it's been this temperature all night, that stuff may be starting to go bad. We have a chest freezer in the garage and we have a uh, refrigerator in the garage that come from my wife's dad's. And... um I know that the garage was cold. Um, what's going on here? I got multiple things going on here. Hang on just a second. Um, I know that we got, you know, 
some issues. Postponement, sorry. You guys stick with me. Just a second. This is real life, folks. This is kind of what happens sometimes. We're sort of roll with the punches. Did that work? Come on, baby, you can do it. Do, 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 do. All right, there we go. Sorry. <laughs> Technical issues. Uh, I did get my microphone fixed, by the way. But uh, but yeah, back to the power. So yeah, we were freaking out about our food. Uh, I woke up at like 5 in the morning, 5.30, something like that, and could not stop thinking about the fact of, what do I need to move over? I need to get the, I need to get the generator started. I haven't done my upkeep on the generator like I needed to. It's been a while since I've cranked it. And it honestly, it had been probably two years since I cranked it. Now, I've got one of those Honda inverter things, the the EU2000 or what what the heck is it called? I got a picture of it on my phone um, that I've deleted. <laughs> it's a it's a cool little thing to have. I mean, Honda makes very dependable stuff. Um, I bought I bought it after our last major hurricane that came through here and knocked out power for six hours because I kept thinking, yeah, what if things go bad? We need to save our food. Um, Anyway, I bought this generator. I put gas in it. I'd cranked it maybe five times, okay? And not ran it much, not really giving it a load to pull. But this was it. This was the opportunity. So I got up, started talking to my wife about what we needed to do. She she agreed. Um, we went. I went up to the garage. I pulled it out, make sure it had some fuel, make sure it had oil. Uh, did all the systems checked. And I literally pulled the cord maybe less than 10 times. And it cranked up. Um, I got everything set. Uh, immediately uh, hooked up some cords, some extension cords to spread the power out because I wanted to charge, wanted to make sure that the chest freezer and the refrigerator had power. And um, plugged them in and it made that slight hesitation like, oh, I feel like I got to make energy now. And it ran fine. Uh, no problem at all. Um, wasn't It wasn't much to do to get them both running. Uh, my wife quickly jumped on the task of, you know, getting plastic bags and loading everything that was perishable from the freezer into the bags. And she handed it to me. We put them in the chest freezer, everything in the fridge that needed to come out. We put in the refrigerator outside and before long we had it all taken care of. And I got to the task of, you know, looking at the damage on the outside of the house to see what needed to be done. At this point, um, you know, the, the hurricane had downgraded to a tropical storm and it moved up into the North Carolina area, Virginia, something like that. And it was good. So I could go ahead and start cleanup. Um, we did have a tree fall. Uh, this tree was sort of sentimental to us. We've been in this house about 15 years. And um, I want to say within our first year, maybe maybe at our first year, we bought a autumn maple tree and me and the kids planted this outside. Um, it was beautiful to watch it grow. It was really beautiful to watch the leaves change and bugs had gotten into it and had eaten the inside. Um, this last year, uh, my mom had come by and said, Oh, all those woodpecker holes, that thing's probably dead. And it didn't generate any leaves past the first, you know, few feet up. Um, 
and I knew it needed to go. But the wind took care of it. The wind snapped it, and uh, so I had to go ahead and clean that up. Thankfully, I had a couple of options for chainsaws. Um, my stepdad had let me borrow his Husqvarna 55 Rancher, and uh, I went to crank it up. You know, I made sure everything, all the fluids are good and everything. Went to crank it up, and the pull string broke. I was like, ah, oh, crap. So I did have a backup chainsaw. It's one of those El Cheapo, whatever the cheapest chainsaw you could buy at, I think, Home Depot or, or Harbor Freight, one of those. It's a real cheap one that plugs into a to a cord. Um, <clears throat> I had that in my garage. And I thought, well, this is your time to shine, buddy. Hope you work. Um, made sure the chain was like it needed to be. Added some bar oil because it was kind of low. And went to the task of cutting. And I cut up the entire tree. Um, I helped a neighbor repair a fence. Uh, checked on another neighbor. We cleaned up some stuff on his property. And um, my oldest helped me take off stuff to the to the dump. And uh, yeah, so it's all taken care of. All cleaned up. I even ran the lawnmower over the stuff to kind of clean up the, the brush and stuff. And I mean... With the exception of the tree knot there, if you drove by our property right now, you'd be like, what hurricane? Y'all had a hurricane? Um, it looks good. So, you know, even while we lost power and even while we were sitting in the dark, you know, all night, um, I couldn't help but think at how lucky I was that I wasn't directly impacted like the folks in Florida. There's a lot of folks in Florida that not only lost their house, but maybe lost their life or maybe lost loved ones or maybe um, lost their way of living. Um you got to imagine that while you look at the devastation of, you know, people's homes, there's also businesses that got lost that now they don't have a place to work. So on top of the fact that you're displaced, uh, you could potentially also have the, the problem of, and now I can't make a living to fix the things that I need to fix. So there's a lot of thoughts and prayers that are going out to the people of Florida um, that are going through this is, is, going to be life-changing for so many people. Um, yeah. And it's going to be an... Listen, I know that it's devastating, but it's going to be good for the economy. I mean, nobody wants to hear that, but every time there's a natural disaster, communities come together, people come together, there's a lot of work that needs to be done, and work is done by people who get paid. So, you know... Maybe one day you're an IT guy and the next day you are working for FEMA <laughs> or a cleanup crew or, you know, one of these companies that goes in and repairs houses and does construction. Um, sometimes, sometimes a natural disaster is, is the kick in the ass that you need to do something completely different from what you've ever done. And you learn about yourself. You learn about how resilient you are. You learn about how you can come together in the community, even though you have different backgrounds. I mean, there's a lot of folks that are in that area that maybe never talk to people who look different than them. And now because they're in this together, they do bond. They do come together. And, you know, this is the kind of stuff where, you know, government officials try to talk about how, oh, well, you know, we need to come together as a people and blah, 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 blah. Listen, government officials aren't going to save you. They're not going to they're not going to care about you, honestly, other than the fact that they need your votes. This is where people come together because they care about people. This is where good people come together and help each other. So, you know, again, my, my thoughts and prayers are, are with the people of Florida. And I hope that 
the recovery comes swift. I hope that if you've had loss, you can find a way to recover. Um, I know how tough it is. Um, I, I can only imagine what you're going to go through. So anyway, moving on. This is the Stuff I Heard podcast. So let me talk about some uh, stuff I heard. Uh, <laughs> so it is October, right? I had to change my calendar over. My calendar's got, somebody gave me a Star Wars calendar. Uh, the month of October has Moff Gideon. Kind of cool. Um, so we have Halloween coming up. And with Halloween, we have Hocus Pocus 2 come out on Disney. Uh, <laughs> I looked at the reviews online and right away people were saying that, oh my God, this is terrible. This is not what I thought it was going to be. Bette Midler looks so old. Yeah, she's 76. Okay. I watched it last night with my wife and we were both, we were both happy with the movie. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, if you don't know, Hocus Pocus came out like 29 years ago. Uh, Bette Midler, uh, Sarah, Je Sarah Jessica Parker, and Kathy, I can't, I can't pronounce your last name. Not, not Jimmy, not Jimmy. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I'm sorry if I'm not, I know I'm not. Um, anyway, they are the original cast of Hocus Pocus and they're great. They're great. Listen, the first one was great. It was supposed to be kind of scary, but kind of hokey and kind of fun for kids. And it's all of that. It's great. I totally enjoyed it. There wasn't anything I didn't like about it. Um, on Google here, it says three young, three young women accidentally bring back the Sanderson sisters to modern day Salem. They must figure out how to stop the child hungry witches from wreaking havoc on the world. So the whole thing of the show is supposedly that, uh, as witches, they eat, uh, supposed to eat children so that they can retain their youth. That's the whole premise, I guess. Um, but they're goofy because it's supposed to be like a like a little bit of a scary comedy. And that's the whole gist. Okay. Um, yeah. But it's cute. Listen, the the young girls, Hocus Pocus 2 starts off with them, with these three sisters back in Salem uh, during the beginnings of the witch trials. And they're young girls and their sisters and they're trying to bond together and things happen and they come into contact with a witch who's played by um hannah waddington waddingham waddingham uh she's on ted lasso she's great uh she's great as this witch it's really cute there's lots of fun with the kids um they look just like the adult actors uh as children um as their characters i guess you'd say but uh but yeah it sets it up nice there's a good story they move forward. Um, lots of fun with the with the town as they get older. You get introduced to a new young cast. Um, there's a there's characters in it that you're going to recognize, and you're like, wait, I've seen them in other stuff. Uh, right away, I noticed Tony Hale. I'd seen him in several projects over the years. Uh, Sam Richardson is a uh, actor, comedian, uh, writer, producer. Um, he was in HBO's show the veep um i've also seen him in ted lasso yep seen him in that and i want to say i saw him in something on amazon prime but i can't be totally certain anyway um but yeah great cast lots of fun 
it has a it has a scary element, it has a funny element, it has a goofy element. It does take into mind the fact that these are supposed to be Salem witches and they're now in the future and they're totally surprised by things like, I don't know, your Alexa or Roombas. Um, it's it's adorable. This is an adorable movie. Uh, I think that whether you're in a kid or an adult, I think that you would enjoy this. So I liked it. I liked it. Good job. Focus, focus too. Sorry it took 29 years for you guys to make it, but uh, it's a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Um, also on Amazon Prime, there is the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. Um, I guess they paid a bunch of money to have this series on their site exclusively. Um, reading here on the Google, it says this series be, uh, brings to screen for the very first time in historic legend of the fabled second age of Middle Earth's history. The epic drama is to set thousands of years is set thousands of years before the events of J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. It takes viewers back to an era which great powers were forged, kingdoms rose to glory and fell to ruin, unlikely heroes were tested. God, this thing is long. Hope hung by the finest of threads and the greatest of villains. The greatest villain ever to have flown from Tolkien's pen, threatened to cover all the world in darkness, beginning in a time of relative peace. The series follows an ensemble cast of characters, both familiar and new, as they confront the long-feared reemergence of the evil Middle-earth. From the darkest depths of the Misty Mountains to the majestic forest of Elf, capital of Linden, to the breathtaking island of Numor, Numenor, Numenor, the furthest reaches of the map. These kingdoms and characters carve out a legacy that live on after they are gone. So that's a lot. That's a lot of words. Um, so listen, I am watching the House of the Dragon, and I've talked about how it starts off really slow and it takes a while to get into it, and there's not much happening, and there's really not much happening. I'm still watching it, and still nothing much is happening. Um, but this, Lord of the Rings, Ring of Power, is good from the beginning. It is good right off the bat. Like, as soon as you tap into it, you're like, dude, this is a good show. It is a good show. They've really done well. Um, the story is interesting. The story has movement. The story has characters you care about. Um, fantastic. I'm enjoying it. I'm really enjoying it. Um, I think this is going to be the home run show for Amazon. I mean, they paid a lot of money for it. I'm sure they were like, oh, whew, we, got, we got a good deal here. This is great. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, go check that out, Amazon Prime. And if you're into the thing, the comedy of, you know, the people that I mentioned, Joe Rogan, Tom Segura, Burt Kreischer, uh, it is October, and they're doing Sober October. So they're doing a big challenge. They're going uh, no booze, no alcohol, no no drugs, no nothing. Uh, and they're giving themselves a fitness challenge of trying to get their heart rate up to um, burn 500 calories per day, every day of the month. And they've invited people to do the challenge with them. They're wearing various versions of cardio registering apps, uh, devices. I think Bert and Tom are wearing the Whoop app or the Whoop device, like a 
It was like a watch, but it monitors your heart rate. And Joe is wearing this strap thing that goes across his chest. Um, but yeah, they're doing this thing and are on social media. They're sort of teasing each other about how much they can do. And listen, I'm fans of all of these guys. Um, it's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I'm not going to be participating in it because uh, I'm a grown up and I have a job and I'm busier um, at my job than they are because let's face it, uh, their job is uh, comedy. So my job is physical. I get plenty of exercise. I'm good. Uh, I don't need to also increase my cardio, whatever, by 500 more calories or burn 500 more calories than I'm burning now. Uh, if anything, I'm trying to just maintain calories. Uh, even though, listen, burning an extra 500 calories a day would help me with weight loss and stuff like that. But uh, also, it would make it so that I couldn't do my job because I'd be so exhausted. And I kind of need to be awake for my job because my job is really dangerous. So anyway, uh, I'm a huge fan. I'm going to see Bert this coming Saturday here in Florence, South Carolina. If you don't know, Bert Kreischer is coming to Florence, South Carolina at our Civic Center. And tickets are on sale at BertBertBert.com or on Ticketmaster or anywhere where you get t- uh, tickets. Um, listen, come. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be a lot of fun. I got friends coming from out of town. We're going to goof around. We're probably going to do a podcast and talk about it. And yeah, it's going to be a good time. So I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, thank you to everybody who listens. Thank you everybody who subscribes. If you haven't, please leave us a little thing, uh, letting us know that you've listened or, uh, you know, share this with a friend, rate, review, subscribe, all the fun stuff. That's how we all move forward. That's how we grow. That's how we spread the love, you know? Um, but yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening. And as always, cue the cow. Move.